Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I know you come to the show for answers, and yet I show up and I have questions. Do my questions, do they compare to your questions? What are the Jazz going to do tonight against the Kings? I assume they're going to bounce back. Of course, that's what I assume Monday, and the Jazz did not bounce back. They had deja vu all over again and lost to Minnesota. Now, they were saying on the broadcast, uh, you know, hey, Fox is going to be out. De'Aaron Fox is going to be out. Donovan's going to be out. So no excuses, right? Both teams missing young stars. And the Kings have been playing better. They've, they've got to picked up, what, like three wins in the last week or so. So they're playing a little better now after a long losing streak. But the Jazz ought to win this. They ought to win this. But they should have won before. And now they've... They've messed up their their margin for error. Now they may catch a break tonight. Clippers are playing the Suns. And I know the Clippers only go top speed, it seems like, you know, two out of every three or three out of every four games. They are forever taking their foot off the gas. But the Clippers go hard tonight and beat the Suns. And you know how hard it is to play the first game back after a long road trip? Have you ever heard that? Okay, well, if it's true, it should be true for the Suns tonight. And that should give the Clippers a little bit of an advantage. Clippers win, Jazz win, the lead goes back to two. Give yourself a chance to go up three by beating Phoenix on Friday. So there's still a chance to turn this thing around. Or you could just lose to the Kings and then lose on Friday and be a game down. Those are the parameters. And now Yach is like perking up like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. That's what I expect. Here's the thing. To go with Matt Harpering's accidental yet genius line, law of numbers, when the Jazz won nine in a row, the second time, PK and I were talking about, you can't sustain this, there's going to be a rough patch. And the key is, maximize the peaks, minimize the valleys. Well, now we know after winning nine in a row, the Jazz would go six and six in the last 12. And depending on what point you want to make, you can go back to any point in the season, right? Hey, the Jazz are terrible. They've lost the last two games. Hey, the Jazz really, I mean, they're good, but they're kind of mediocre. I mean, look at them six and six in the last 12. But if you take the bad stretch, and the last two is a bad stretch, a mediocre stretch, six and six, and if you also take the last good stretch, the nine-game win streak, you add them all together to get a complete picture, the Jazz are 15 and six. And that is basically, over the course of a full NBA season, a 58 to 60 win pace. Now, In my mind, when you get to 50, you're good. You're a playoff team. You're a good team. You get to 55, you're very good. You got a you got a shot at a conference final. You get to 60, they're usually two or three 60-win teams at most in the NBA. This year, I don't know that anybody's gonna play a 60-win pace. Maybe the Jazz or Suns or Clips can finish up there, but my guess is the you're not gonna win 60 because you're only playing 72, not 82. And also with the congested schedule, either you're giving guys a rest and you're vulnerable loss because you're giving guys games off, or guys are playing, but they're getting fatigued and they're not top level, and you can lose to um, you're more likely to lose to a mediocre team on a night you normally beat them, but you're just worn out. So the pace the Jazz are going is at 15 and 6 is about the best you can do in the league. Now, if you get caught up in the moment, you can double down on your losses. As Jerry Sloan used to say, you're playing backwards. Forget the last loss. Just go do your thing. And that is the question for tonight's game. Above all else, I want to know, are the Jazz going to go do their thing? I know they didn't shoot the ball well Monday. I know they didn't shoot the ball well Saturday. But 
We've seen games over the course of the season where the Jazz have shot the ball well. They've shot the ball kind of normal. And they've shot the ball lights bleeping out. One thing doesn't always guarantee the next. They don't have to struggle from three tonight. Are they going to wipe the slate clean, be mentally tough, bounce back, take the shots they're supposed to, and not worry about if it doesn't go in? I don't want to see guys passing up shots. I don't want to see guys afraid to shoot. Go do your thing. You didn't get this deep into the season with this kind of record unless you're pretty good. You're pretty good at what you do. And what they do is shoot threes. That's how they're built. Now, you can make an argument that if they're really going to do what they need to do in the playoffs, they got to make threes, certainly. Maybe they just need to be better defensively. And you say, they're already a pretty good defensive team. Yeah, well, if there's one reason you're really worried about the Lakers, I mean, there's LeBron, but it's because the Lakers are the best team in the NBA. Defensive efficiency, they're number one. The Jazz are four. So how about being a little better defensively? You've been pretty good defensively against Minnesota. Give up 105 points. You should win most nights. Certainly if you have Donovan, and they're obviously they're without Donovan tonight. So I'm, I'm curious to see if they are mentally tough and just go do their thing tonight. Shake everything else off. I know the last two games sucked. But 15-6 and six over the last 21, that's pretty much who you are. And that takes into account... Good, bad, and mediocre basketball from the Jazz. So, go do your thing tonight. You ought to beat the Kings. When we come back, we got to talk more basketball. we got local and national guys coming up to finish the hour who can talk to you about the Jazz and where they sit and what they expect from them going forward with the playoffs bearing down on us. 11 games left in the regular season. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from Shane Young from Forbes. PK and I had him on during the show yesterday. He'll throw in some last nights and all that because of the game Monday night. But to get someone from outside the market who neither loves nor hates the Jazz, who uh, isn't busy rooting for the Jazz, to get kind of a neutral take from somebody who has said some complimentary things about the Jazz in the past, although uh, the last few days have been rough, Here's Shane Young and his take on the Jazz and the Western playoff race on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Shane, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Ah, tons of angst. Back-to-back losses to the Timberwolves. The lead in the West is down to one game. The Suns are supposed to struggle on this road trip, and the Jazz are supposed to pull away by beating easy teams. It's not happening. Shane, what is going wrong? Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, you say losing two straight to the Timberwolves, um, at least the Jazz don't have to see Minnesota in a couple months. <laughs> at least Minnesota is mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. So it's actually kind of funny that that this stuff happens in the NBA, where the Jazz could have the number of a of a high profile contender. They could just you know stomp them down a couple times, but then they struggle with some of this bottom level competition. And you know that that that's that tends to happen with contenders. They I'm not going to say they overlook the Timberwolves, but I think everyone understands that every player in the NBA is capable of catching fire or putting together a, a, a big run. And 
and they just underestimated them for a bit. So, yeah, two straight games worth. I would be pretty upset as well. So whenever Donovan Mitchell returns to full health with the ankle injury, do you think that that solves the issues that they're having right now? I don't think necessarily it solves just flat out not making shots. I mean, that's kind of just like uh, I, I tend to I tend to favor like just unluckiness. I think that you can point a lot of the problems to last night. You know, they generate 15 corner threes. If you generate 15 corner threes in the NBA, you're a dynamic offense. I think the Jazz and Clippers are the two best offenses when it comes to creating those open looks, even though the Nets technically have the best offense in the NBA because of their firepower. And the Jazz made two of them. They shot two of 15 from the corners. And I'd be willing to guess, I think the player tracking data comes out soon, I would be willing to guess that a lot of those were wide open. And, and, you know, 14 of 41 from the non-corner threes, um, I'd be willing to bet a lot of those are wide open. So, you know, maybe you just chalk up last night to whatever. But I think think Donovan does help with their paint attacks and getting into the paint and – and helping find the open man a little bit easier and quicker. Um, I think one thing that we've seen, at least I saw, I'm not sure about you guys, you can tell me how you feel about it, but I, I saw Rudy Gobert last night just not get a lot of touches that he normally would, even when he got switches with Rubio on him in the post. Gobert puts his hands straight up in the air. Clearly the tallest guy in the court, especially in that mismatch, and you know you could easily get the ball to him, it's just like, you know, you see Conley, Ingles, uh, and, and Bogdanovich, all these guys kind of dance around it and try try to get it to him late or not get the right passing angle. I think Donovan Mitchell is clearly behind Ingles as like maybe the best passer on the team. So I think he does help in that regard. Shane Young joining us, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports. So when you watch the Suns come in and you watch the Jazz struggling, are you thinking the top two teams, the top two contenders, or are your eyes still on the Clippers and on the Lakers? Oh, man, it's it's been tough because I think the last time we talked, Phoenix wasn't doing this hot. They were coming, but they weren't blistering hot yet. Um, I think right now you're looking at it. Um, I, I think the Jazz are going to be the number one seed, and the Suns are – probably going to be number two. All the Suns have to do is beat the Clippers um, beat the Clippers on Wednesday, and that gives them another game advantage. And then they just have to close out without stinking up the joint. So they could, they could lose a couple games. As long as they don't lose more than the Clippers, they'll be fine. But those, will be, those might be the top two seeds. Does it mean that they are the best teams in the conference? I'm not sure. I think the Jazz securing the number one seed helps a good deal because they – they would only have to see the Lakers in the second round, and I like it. I just don't. I just don't have a good feel about how a Lakers Jazz series would go because we've seen what zero total games of the full healthy rosters going at each other. Um, I think the one time the Jazz beat down on the Lakers, it was um, you know, uh, or I think a couple times the Jazz beat down on the Lakers, it was without AD and LeBron. So it, it, it's been kind of tough to gauge. Um, I, I, I kind of do think, though, that the Clippers would be happy with the way the seeding ends because they would they would get an easier opponent in the first round because they, they the Clippers have kind of handled the Blazers uh, so far this season. So if that's the matchup, then I think they would be happy with that. And then the Suns. Obviously, if you play the Suns, 
I think they view, I think they view Phoenix as less of a threat than Utah. Um, I, I do, you know, being around the Clippers this year, I do think they view Utah as a team that can give them a lot of problems in a potential West Final series because of how well Utah switches and how well uh, they are as an oiled machine defensively. It's you know they're they're extremely well coached and probably the best coached team in the NBA. So. I guess all that to say, there are four teams still that I think could win the title in the West, and those are going to be the the LA teams and Phoenix and Utah. It's really too hard to it, it, right now. It's too difficult to pick who would be the favorite. I think. Do you see any of these first round opponents possible? We don't know who it is, obviously, but do you see any of them giving the Jazz some trouble in the first round? I would be terrified of Stephen Curry. Um, I, I'm, I'm just a big Steph fan, <laughs> and I think that he if you give him an opportunity to go into Utah, if they got the 8th seed, if the Warriors won the playing tournament and got the 8th seed, if you give him an opportunity to go in Utah, where he's had some, some success uh, throughout his playoff career, that one series they played in 2017, I believe, um, I, I, I think I, I would be a little bit scared. I'd be a little bit nervous, because all it takes is one or two games for Steph to get hot, steal a road game, and then you're going back to the San Francisco. So it's like, man, I, that's a flamethrower I would not want to face. Um, if I was the Jazz, obviously you're kind of hoping for Memphis, uh, who I believe Utah has beat three times this year, right, all within a, a week span. <laughs> um, or San Antonio. I think San Antonio just doesn't have – um, a lot of the defense that would be necessary to guard Utah's um, U- Utah's creativity. Utah is one of the most creative offenses in the league this year. So I would be hoping for San Antonio and Memphis. I'd be really kind of nervous about Golden State. You think the uh, playing series is here to stay, that it is uh, minimizing, and it'll never eliminate tanking, but maybe minimizing tanking and shutting guys down? You know, I... I'm I'm actually a fan of the playing situation of the, the scenario where you you you're kind of right there. You do these uh, disincentivized tanking where you um, have these teams at the bottom that have maybe a three or four week span longer than they would normally in the season to look at the standings and say, "Hey, we can make a run." Because I know you guys remember last year or the, or the the few years before. There were teams that it would be February, and they would shut it down. They would just be like, oh, well, we're six games out. That's a lot to make up considering we're not that good of a team. Let's just rest everyone or let's, let's put our uh, top superstars on the shelf. And I'm, glad, I'm really glad that that's not happening with, you know, say, Zion Williamson. The Pelicans are not going to make it because they're just too far out and they, and they can't seem to string together a good win streak. So cross them out. But it's that type of team that you look at and say, I'm glad that this team and this player, this dynamic top 20 player in the NBA, is able to play longer into the season and deep high playoff minutes because they're they're trying to get that playoff spot. So I like the playing tournament. Uh, the one thing I, I'm kind of – I want to get your opinion on that I've kind of wanted for a long time is I think – Maybe I'm maybe I'm alone in this, or maybe I'm on an island by myself. But I think the top seeds in every conference, so like maybe the Jazz and technically Brooklyn right now, if you're going to have a playing tournament where they don't know their playoff opponent until 
a few days, a couple days before it starts. Because that's been that's been a situation where like the Clippers and the Suns, they're going to know their playoff opponent quicker than the Jazz will. Gives a little bit less preparation time, uh, less time to really get some practice in for that particular opponent. If you're not going to know who you're playing, I think you should be able to pick your opponent from the pool of the eight seed, seven seed, and six seed. Maybe I think those bottom three seeds, once the play-in tournament has been played, should be able to pick who they want to play, the, the Jazz. So, you know, I, I, I kind of just think that that's the fairest way to do it. If Utah is going to w- focus on the regular season, get the number one seed, and be the best team in the, in the league all season, there has to come some, like, re- reward for that. And I think the reward would be deciding who you want to play. I don't do think, think. Yeah, I don't think teams are going to want that. I don't think they're going to want that responsibility. It, it, it. You're basically, you're saying, hey, you're not good enough. So you're disrespecting somebody right from the get go and firing them up. I think. Uh, I think teams are going to complain about that and not, not want that. Yeah, I, I understand that point of view. Like, it, it, I, I don't think. Basically, what I'm saying, I don't think a lot of the owners that would have to vote for this to get it approved would even go for it. There might be just be a third of the league that, that likes the idea. But it's just something that's been floating around in NBA circles where there, there just needs to be a higher incentive for – or a higher reward, I should say, for getting that number one seed and going through this ridiculous grind of a season. How much does it concern you if a team is relying a lot on threes that when they get to the postseason that there might be an issue making those threes? It's definitely been a concern uh, for me, uh, particularly because I, I see I I tend to gravitate towards seven shooting teams, teams that unlock a lot of their offense from three, um, and that value higher efficiency shots. Um, I, I think if you the more threes you take, as long as they're not just run up the court, jack it up in someone's face, and shoot a contested shot. Uh, I think that as long as it's a good, open, clean look that's derived from good paint attacks. I think driving into the paint is the first key that you have to have. And, you know, the two teams that I mentioned before that are the best at creating those shots, the Jazz and the Clippers, I think they do it the right way. I think if you – I'm not trying to dog on this team by any means because, you know, I've done that quite a bit in the past. But the team that you can look at and say maybe – or definitely a lot of these shots that they shoot from three are not good looks is the Houston teams and the James Harden era – particularly when Mike D'Antoni got there, I think that's not a good way to do it. But then you look at it and say, oh, well, those Rockets made it to the West Finals a couple times, twice since 2015, and they nearly maybe should have won in 2018. So if that's the bad way of doing it and it still worked out, I think you look at like the Golden State teams of the last few years, maybe San Antonio in 2014 that shot a lot of threes. They succeeded. They won the title. Uh, they did have a lot of superstar power on their teams, but hey, that's what you need in the NBA. I think it's going to come down to more so the star power. Donovan Mitchell, can he create his own offense in the mid-range at the rim whenever teams switch and put bigger bodies on him or like-sized like size bodies on him? Um, that's going to be more important to me than maybe Joe Eagles, Boyan Madonavich, Mike Conley knocking down their shots because if you've had a five- or six-month sample of these guys hitting the shots, I tend to just trust the, st- the statistics, and I tend to trust the 
um, tendencies that say these guys are still going to make their shots, especially in a playoff environment, guys, that's not going to be like fully packed with fans, especially if Utah goes on the road. I know Utah does have a lot of fans, if I'm correct, but I know if they go on the road, other teams don't have necessarily a lot of fans, so I'm not very worried about their shots not going in. Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, do you think the Jazz come out of this funk? Do you give them much hope Friday night? Uh, probably shorthanded without Donovan Mitchell in Phoenix, or this is going to continue until Mitchell comes back and the one seed's going to be gone and just deal with it and adapt. I do give them a, a good or decent, a good chance in Phoenix just because the, the games that we've seen or at least the last game we saw between the Jazz and Suns was really close, um, came down to the wire. You know, just some d- decisions here and there or some shots here and there fall. So I think uh, I think the Jazz could definitely get it together and start, you know, maybe going on another five or six game win streak here. It's just it's going to be tough until you get Donovan back um, to really lean on somebody in those moments. Uh, I know, you know, and we also have to point out, like, they would have won last night maybe like a 98% chance they would have won last night if Rudy Gobert just switches on that last play defensively. So, you know, that that's just like a – that's a mental error right there that you can kind of chalk up as, as a one-off, I think, because he's one of the best defensive players in the world. Um, so I'm not really concerned. I think they can get together here. But I, I think we just can't – we can't deny that Phoenix is really good and Phoenix has maybe the – one of the five best players – to go against Rudy Gobert and the Jazz's defense, and that's Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul, to me, is probably the third best point guard of all time, just the third best. You know, his, his greatness is not going to be elevated because of the, the lack of accolades, but uh, he's supremely talented, and it, it, it's going to be – you're going to hear a lot of chatter if the Suns do go 3-0 and against the Jazz this year and how – that, you know that's just a series that no that that Utah doesn't want, but I, I kind of think that's overblown. I think you know a couple of those games you could go either way, and uh, I'm not. I, I still think the Jazz are probably right behind the Clippers in terms of playoff potency. Um, I, I, I kind of I'm not sold on the Suns yet um, in terms of being like this team that that could beat the Lakers, beat the Clippers, beat the Jazz. That'd be a really tough playoff grind for them, especially in their first year together. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Friday night. Shane, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Anytime, guys. There's Shane Young from Forbes. When we come back, Big T Thurl Bailey. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time now to welcome in one of our favorite guests. We had him on at the end of the show yesterday, Big T Thurl Bailey. And Big T brings a unique take. Whether you moved to Salt Lake a week ago or you have lived here your whole life and you are older than you care to admit on the radio, Big T 
Now he calls, and for the last few years, he has been calling jazz games. Uh, but he's been on the pre-half and post-game going back to, I don't know, about 2005 or so. Uh, he was doing uh, pre-half and post with Pace and Thurl and I, er, with Thurl, uh, with Pace and I in the 2000s. And if you go back to the 90s, he was a veteran who finished career here after playing overseas. And if you go back to the 80s, he was a youngster who was drafted and played here and starred on some teams with Stockton and Malone in the early days. This is a guy with some serious perspective. Here's Big T with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Mother's Day is May 9th. Minky Couture is here to help you out. Get the best blanket ever. That is also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Minky Couture. Sandy and her staff are doing it again. For our listeners, helping you get it right for Mother's Day, get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. Time to welcome in Big T, Thurl Bailey, jazz analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Thurl, good morning. Good morning, dude. I'm just enjoying hearing you say couture, man. That just sounds nice rolling off your tongue. Say it again. <laughs> Minky couture. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, we've been talking. Uh, we've been talking about yeah. the worst. Se- I'm here. All right. <laughs> we've been talking about the worst sequels you've ever seen because the Jazz lost to Minnesota right down to a, uh, you know, the big early lead, the problem shooting the ball in the middle of the game, falling way behind, rallying, taking a one point lead, uh, a turnover on an attempted alley oop to Gobert, and ultimately they lost. It was the same game. And I mentioned Mall Cop 2 and PK went nuts. Uh, terrible movie. I heard. <laughs> Didn't, didn't, wasn't unfortunate enough to see it. I know, I know they made a second Star Wars and it was great, but the fourth, fifth, and sixth Star Wars were terrible. Yeah, I got lost on Star Wars when, when they started going back. I mean, right, the whole prequel thing just that none yeah, of that, just, none of that worked. None of it. No. <laughs> I know he's going to grow up to be Darth Vader. He's a terrible guy. I got it. Well, you know, obviously. You know those two losses really sting for the Jazz. I mean, I, I I've been in situations myself as a player. I mean, I played a lot of games my career, and I'm not sure there's a situation I haven't seen or been in, been involved in, and I know how it feels to individually and then collectively come out and play a team that you know you you know that you're better than, uh, and record withstanding you're in a position where teams are just gunning for you, whether they have something to, to play for or not. And as we saw last night, there was some breakdowns. Jazz had an opportunity. I mean, obviously they had, they lost that lead again and they had an opportunity and the effort was there to get back into it. And then just some breakdowns at the end that really, when you think of where we are, where the jazz are in this season, um, you know, those, those kind of things just can't be happening. You've got to be able to not have those 14 point quarters and, and 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 be a lot more consistent. So you, know, you are uh, very calm at all times, you know. And I've seen that uh, thing with NC State, and I think it was Sidney Green saying how he was going to take it to the guy with the goggles. And I know you weren't wearing goggles then, but for entertainment purposes, just stay with me here. <laughs> and you know, you didn't say anything, and and we we went through that. I've seen it multiple times, but I got to know, you know, inside. 
you were burning and your way of expressing it publicly was not like mine to scream and yell and you were a calm dude and you still are. Uh, but what do you think these guys are thinking internally now? Because it seems like the whole world, as far as the basketball world goes, are doubting these guys. Well, you can't discount the body of work. I mean, the Jazz are still in a great position, right? And this is the NBA. There's some really good teams out there. The West is obviously going to be tough, and um, you still have games to play. And so when you're in a situation like that, I know with me internally, I was, you know, I, I couldn't be the same player, the same person when I was out there on the court. You know, I had to take that nice guy, um, however you described it, and you know, and and play, you know, differently, and and go out and be physical, and go out and, and play my game, and you know, I don't. We can go out to dinner after the game, but right now it's all business. So I think as an athlete, players kind of internalize it differently, but collectively is really going to be the key. You talk about the breakdowns you have. Obviously, I think the Jazz will watch the film, and uh, you heard Rudy last night about that defensive mistake uh he owned it and that's i think that's the first part of it is owning it and and really knowing these guys and 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 what we've seen to this point right i mean two games don't make a season i mean you're going to look back these two games hurt for sure but i think we've seen the jazz time and time again uh, bounce back from defeats you know albeit uh, these two from a team at the bottom of the heap but um yeah, I think I think we know these guys well enough to know that you know they love to play and they love to compete and they love to figure things out. That's the way. That's the way Quinn coaches. What is it we have to do? And it hasn't happened the last two games, but you know, I don't know if we ought to be saying, "Well, things are falling apart just because we lost to an NBA team with nothing to lose and and uh, you know and came out and beat the Jazz two games in a row." PK and I have been entertained all year by one stupid little thing. But I mean, you know us, so you know how we are. So you're not surprised by that. Um, <laughs> Matt was Matt Harpin was calling the game, and uh, he was trying to say law of averages, and he said law of numbers. And we do enough live radio and have said enough dumb stuff that we can totally identify with that. You know, your vocabulary it just the word eludes you in the moment, right? But for whatever reason, I li- and I'm not, I'm not. I'm not making this up. I love law of numbers. I now use it just to crack PK up whenever possible. I love to work it in. And and, and the law of numbers, if you go big picture, you said body of work, right? The Jazz are winning about three quarters of their games this year. So they had a nine-game win streak, and they've now gone six and six in their last 12. Now, I don't want to get too wound up on two games. Six and six is a bigger chunk, and I got to say it's concerning because you want them improving and playing their best ball. And clearly, at six and six, you're not. But if I go back a little more, I hit that nine game win streak, and now they're 15 and six. So, really, over a big period of time, I think the message Quinn has to get is this is who you are. You're not better than 15 and six, and you will mess up games since we're on the radio. You will mess up games <laughs> to get back to basically who you've been in this body of work. So, 
you're not just the team that won nine in a row because you're not really that good. But you're not as bad as you've shown as stinking up these last two games and you've stunk them up horribly. You know, that 15 and six, that's really who you are over the course of a season. That's the win pace you've been at since Christmas. So now, can they shake it off? Everybody screws up. Everybody loses. You're old enough to remember faux, faux, faux. You know which year and which playoff series, right? And they didn't yeah. do it. They went 4-5-4. Four, four. Even those Sixers messed up a game, and Moses Malone wasn't right. But they shook off the one loss and annihilated everybody. So do you think the Jazz have the mental toughness to just shake this off and start win going forward? Because if you do, then this stuff never matters. It just doesn't matter. Well, what's their other choice? I mean, yeah, I mean to go yeah. lose to Sacramento and make a bunch more mistakes and be afraid to shoot three pointers in the third quarter because they've missed a bunch. That's what I don't want to see again. Yeah, and, and that I think that was really out of character for them. You know, I think uh, to see one guy do it, maybe you get it, but to see several guys question what I believe they're really good at. Um, and I get, I get it. If it's not working, you need to try something else. I, mean, I thought George Yang just came in and and was that guy who said, "Look, this is <laughs> this is what we need. This is what I'm good at, and I'm not going to change." So I don't think that was the character of the team that we've been seeing, win or lose. Um, and you talk about the law of numbers. Uh, you know, this game has gotten so much in analytics, and I, I know they have their place. Um, but, you know, we're talking about a team that has had an incredible season, including, you know, everything, right? I mean, being a great team means that you figure out how to get through the the difficult times because you're going to find them, right? There's just going to be those given nights when you and PK have a bad broadcast, right? I mean, you know, it just just happens. Or, you know, me and a a lemma or me and – being bowler screw up. So I think this Jazz team, I think we've really seen who they are. And I think the law of numbers at the time, like, you know, when they're going on these win streaks, is that really the Jazz or is this the fluke? No, I, I think it's really them. I mean, I think the philosophy works. Uh, it's it's a high-risk philosophy sometimes because the three is not going to fall. But that's when your defense you know, really has to kind of equalize things. But yeah, I agree. I, mean, I, I agree that this team has to, or Quinn has to look at this team and say, say, look where we are, look what we've accomplished. We've got a lot of work to do to, you know, to stay in that top spot or to, to have that top spot, to have an opportunity to, to, to continue to move on and win this championship. But, yeah, I, I, I think we, we've seen that we saw the worst of the Jazz in these last two games. So I'm watching the game, the second game, and I'm watching Jordan Clarkson take a bunch of shots and missing. And I'm thinking to myself, pass the ball. Well, I look at the box score; he's got eight assists. And and then I was talking about how uh, I get up uh, early the next morning and I'm reflecting upon it. And I'm thinking, you know, what am I going to talk about at work today? And I'm thinking, I, I've sort of changed my mind. I'm actually, I have changed my mind. I'm thinking, Jordan, by all means, man, keep firing away because that's what this team uh, needs, and that's how you help 
get this team to where it is and number one in the standings and all that stuff. So I'm totally fine with it. My only criticism is I don't want to see bad body language, you know, and I reflect back on uh, Gordon Hayward. I thought he had some bad body language sometimes. Now, he wasn't with a good team at the time, so maybe that uh, attributed to it. But if you miss 10 in a row, I, I want you to be cocky. I want you to keep firing away and think that uh, don't show any weakness in your, in your appearance, in your body language. What do you say to that? Well, I, I think sometimes it's hard not to show frustration at something that, you know, you're, you've been really good at. Um, and, you know, Jordan Clarkson has had his moments. And I, I kind of had this discussion through social media with a guy who talked about you know, Jordan needs to stop taking those shots. Um, he's not the same Jordan Clarkson as he was the first half of the season. And I'm thinking, well, the same the same Jordan Clarkson you're talking about um, at the beginning of the season, you're criticizing him now for taking the same shots but missing him, right? So my point was, Jordan Clarkson has the ability and the freedom to really, um, to really put his mark on a game. Now, Jordan, Jordan doesn't get enough credit for the for the work he does on the other end of the court. Um, but his job, and I can relate to this as a six man. I mean, you go back and look at some of my games. You know, when I I was struggling, one for eleven or two for twelve. You know, I I definitely wasn't going to stop shooting. I wasn't going to try to go outside myself and step out in the three-point line because that just wasn't my game. But Quinn has given J.C. the freedom to go out and play a total game and offensively to be himself. Um, so, you know, you can't cheer for him when he's rolling and, and getting those potential six-man accolades and then when he's struggling, say, stop shooting. That's, that's ludicrous. Um, but you're right. I mean, you've got to be able to uh, you know, to personally go go through those things without getting frustrated, you know, outwardly, because it, I think it just kind of exacerbates the problem. But every athlete goes through it. I mean, we've seen Rudy pick up a few texts because he gets a little emotional with the refs, and um, but he's I think he's getting better at it. But each each player, I think, uh, has the support of all the other guys. I think that's what makes this team special as well. Uh, and hopefully, you know, if we get Donovan back soon, I think this team will start uh, clicking on those cylinders again. They have to. They have no other choice. Big T Thurl Bailey joining us, and I am interested in your take on the Suns. Uh, you know, as Chris Paul plays great late in his career, it seems like a couple things happen here, Thurl. One, you know, mentally you get so much better. All the scars, all the failures, all the times you didn't break through when you were 25, 26, 27, and you're 33, 34, 35. You, you do amazing stuff, and yet you constantly hear the window is closing because you never know when someone's productivity is just going to fall off a cliff, especially if you're one of the smaller guys, right? And it happens yeah. to big guys, but especially when you're one of the smaller guys. So are you surprised when you see the stuff he's pulled off this year? Are you surprised at how good the Suns are? Do you trust him to stay healthy in the playoffs because he's had a lot of postseason injuries? Big picture, what do you think about the Suns and Chris Paul? Well, I, I knew that the Suns would be better with the addition of Chris Paul, and, and he was going to elevate Booker's game as well. 
But, you know, I say this about Mike Conley as well. I know we're talking Chris Paul now, but I think they're kind of in that same category is that, you know, at some point your physical skills are going to start waning. Whether you were, you know, fast or could jump high, those things are going to dial down, dial down. But if you can grasp the, you know, the IQ part, right, the part where you're taking your time and everybody else is, you know, running around, and you're finding your space. Chris Paul, to me, is is probably still one of the best mid-range players that I've ever seen, especially being that size and being able to get his shot off when he wants on anybody he wants. He's kind of a slower version of a Steph Curry in that area. But, um, yeah, I mean, you saw what he did against the Knicks. Very clutch player. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of knocks on him right on teams that he's been on but i think he's proven and heck he's making 41 million dollars so he's got to <laughs> go out and continue to prove his worth but uh yeah i mean he has really been that guy that glue and part of that is being a being able to accept that you may be not the man but you kind of are right i mean booker is the is kind of that that all-star for that team but chris paul is okay with it and I think that's part of it. I'm okay with with you know making you better and you getting the limelight, and I'll get it every once in a while, like against the Knicks last night. But I think he's at the point of his career now where you know he really wants to win, get to that next level, and he'll do whatever it takes. Do you or do the Jazz, either of you, the Jazz and you, do you care who they play in the postseason? Um, I didn't really care. I mean, we, it was, it was discussed, right? Um, it was discussed about matchups and, and you look throughout the course of the season and see who you've matched up with and not necessarily beat all the time, but see who, who you've matched up with and, and who gives you trouble. But I don't think there's an outright, uh, conscious thinking of, no, I don't want to play those guys. Uh, but I didn't really care. I don't really think the Jazz care. I mean, I, I think, knowing what I know about Quinn, it really is about getting the very best position you can, right, and getting home court advantage and getting those things that, that, that assist you in winning. But I'm not sure the Jazz really care. I mean, we can, we can go through the list and say, ah, I don't know if we want to meet those guys right now. The Lakers are dropping, and, you know, we might get them early. Um, but yeah, that's a good question, PK. I don't, I don't, I don't know where the Jazz stand on that. But I'm going to lean on the side of they don't, they don't really care who it is. They just want to be in the best position when the time comes. Don't you believe there's five really good teams in the West, and you don't know? Obviously, one of them is going to get knocked out before the first round. The Lakers will probably play the Nuggets, and one of one of the good teams in my mind will get knocked out. And then in the second round, anything can happen, regardless of who the favorites are. Anything yeah. can happen. Yeah, you're right. And you know, under the circumstances with the play-in games and and those kind of things, the teams are. I mean, look at what Steph's doing with the Warriors right now. I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty good feat right now to, to step in and, you know, play those games, uh, play a, a series against that team um, if they come out of, you know, the playing game. So 
you're right. I mean, anything can happen. I think we've seen it. Uh, I think we've we've seen enough of some of the top teams going in and and um, you know starting out really good beginning of the playoffs and then like similar to what the Jazz did um, and also another and similar to what Denver did in the bubble just uh, being a totally different team look what the Brooklyn Nets are doing I mean they, they've got some great players on that team but um, you know they're they're looking at winning a championship that's what they that's why they put that team together and so you're right I mean anything can happen and I think that's why the Jazz are really it's really important for them to get back on that winning streak in the way we've seen them and also more importantly guys get healthy so you had a birthday earlier this month is life better at 60 life is great at 60 man I mean I you know 50 was a was a big number but 60 you're like cruising right I mean you're like on your Harley going up in the canyon and just just cruising and taking in the sights and enjoying your family and sitting back and and enjoying what you do work-wise and working with great people so yeah 60 is good 60 is a good number because you know um, it's all downhill from here yeah there you go And do you really think it's all downhill, or do no. you feel like you're gonna? I feel like you're more on the backstretch of Daytona. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. You Analogy. are just dropping the hammer. You get to do what you want, largely, right? Your kids yep. are are mostly grown and gone. Yep. Or completely grown and gone. No, you still got one. They're mostly. Mostly. Got one more. Right. You got one more. Okay. Well, yeah. So I think you got more free time than you had. You're smarter because uh, just like NBA teams and NBA players, you've learned lessons that have come before. Right. You're not. You're not repeating the mistakes. Times are yeah. good. You got a better idea, big picture, where things are going. Wait. How old are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm a few years younger than you. What are you talking about? I'm not that much younger than you, but I'm younger than you. But I'm not that much younger than you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, it's, it's, I'm not it's 60, big, but I can see it from where I'm standing. You can see it, right? <laughs> yeah, Through my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, Thurl. Man, you dropped multiple law of numbers and then a through my eyes. Well played. Through my eyes. <laughs> through my eyes. Oh, guys. <laughs> See, you wouldn't have pulled this off at 40. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> all right, Big T. We'll let you go. It was good having you on. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again, and we'll see more of you as, the, uh, as we get closer to the playoffs here. The countdown is on. We're not to single digits left in the regular seasons, but we're getting there. 11 games left now. That's right. Do you remember when we used to count them down, baby? Yep. Yep. Count them down. Nice. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, have a oh good before one. we go, before Uh-oh. we go, oh, this is real important, and I feel bad I didn't bring it up till now. Uh, Dodger dogs are no longer going to be uh, Farmer John Dodger dogs. They've had a party in the ways over money, as it turns out, at Dodger Stadium, which if you're in Southern California, everybody, they sell like three million Dodger dogs a year. PK was talking about how when he goes to games, he can't believe the first time I went to a game that I didn't have a Dodger dog till like the third inning. He said, you should have one before the game, and then you should have one in the second, in the fourth, in the sixth, in the eighth. I mean, how many hot dogs... How many hot dogs could one person eat in one game? Go for the record. Go for the record, <laughs> DJ. Go for the record. I've seen you, baby. Was it six or eight you threw down on the set? Uh, I think it was eight. 
<laughs> we had it, what was the bet? Was the bet that it was uh, ten or twelve? It was a spontaneous thing. Pace and Thurl and I were doing jazz pre half and post back in the D Will era, and it was a road game, and there was a show or a concert or some reason there was something going on, and the concessions was open, and somehow it came up about you know my appetite and how many I could eat, and suddenly it was on. It was on, man, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. And it got preempted. Because the game was late. They must have been on the West Coast. And none of us took into account the concession stand was going to close. And all yeah. of a sudden it was over. They just rolled it. And I was at like eight. But I can tell you, PK, there's a lot of sodium in those things. And then you drink a lot of water and you're real uncomfortable. And it's just yeah, like, we, wait we, a minute. Am I like 18 and a freshman in college? How stupid am I? Yeah, I'm uh, glad we didn't get to see the post game on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was a good time. Woo. Yeah, right? Yeah, and th- and 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 the, and the thing is, you were you were part of the problem. But man, Pace, he was just egging me on some, and I was just totally all in on it. It's stupid, and yet entertaining. Yeah. All these years later, very entertaining. I'd all like right, to see it again. <laughs> Thanks, Big T. <laughs> all right, guys, appreciate you. There's Big T Thor Bailey. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. <laughs> 